Welcome to the Let's Talk About Love, Sex, and Infidelity podcast with your host, Todd Krieger. Todd has over 35 years of experience working with thousands of couples as a licensed therapist in his private practice. Todd shares his insights on this show. It's never too early to divorce-proof your marriage or too late to heal yourselves and have the relationship you truly want. Hi, everybody. This is Todd Krieger. Today, I want to talk to you about meditation. I've been talking about this, and it is such a big part of my life. Today's topic is the power of meditation, how it positively impacts your brain and your health. That's a big topic. That's a tall order, I just said, isn't it? How does meditation impact our brain and our health? And health includes physical health and emotional well-being as well. And I, I want to tell you that, you know, I am a therapist and uh, I call upon different tools to help people heal in their relationships, in their lives, in their, in, in their, in their health, mental health, physical health. Uh, but I also very, uh, I'm very about helping people be the best that they could be. So anything that a person could do that help them be the best they can be, I'm all for. And meditation is very high on my list. And one of the things I also do is I'm a, I'm a professor and I teach a number of classes. One of them for grad students has a, a lot of neurobiology in it. So I'm pretty versed in discussing neurobiology. I'm not a neurobiologist, so I mean, uh, uh, I don't know lots and lots about the brain, but I know enough to be helpful. And I just want to give you a little bit of a brief uh, discourse on the brain, really, really this, the, the, the outline of it. We have in the deeper part of our brain, in the middle part of our brain, the limbic brain is then amygdala. The amygdala, A-M-Y-G-D-A-L-A, amygdala, uh, is the part of the brain that's the alarm system of the brain. It reacts to threat. It reacts to stress, and that, as long as as well as some other parts of our, the right hemisphere of our brain, uh, they are there to help us survive. They perceive threat, and they they're there to ring the alarms. And then when the amygdala gets triggered, like sees something as a threat then it triggers a cascade of, of reactions. I won't give you too many uh, terms, but the HPA axis, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, gets cranking, and that's what ultimately gives you cortisol, adrenal, adrenaline, so that you can do the fight or flight to protect you. Um, and then, you know, I use this example a lot. If I'm walking down the street, if I, let's say I'm taking a hike. That's even a more common example. Going, I'm taking a hike with my wife. Actually, just today I was taking a hike with my wife, and um, I saw what looked like a snake, and I went, "Oh my god!" And of course, I was ready to run. Okay, the amygdala saw it, hit the HPA axis, hypothalamic pituitary <laughs> adrenal axis. I got some adrenaline and cortisol getting going and I was ready to run until I realized it was this root of a tree that kind of can look like a snake. Now as I continued going 
uh, kind of funny is then we saw what I thought was a snake again. But this time it was a snake. <laughs> it was a snake. Um, but it was a small snake, and for some reason I reacted much more uh, strongly to the twig. But I digress. Um, the thing about it is, in, in the second time, my amygdala did not react quickly, and I was pretty calm, and I saw it was a small snake, and it was going away from us, so that was fine. But that amygdala is there to protect us. The problem is that we oftentimes uh, have a, uh, our amygdala hijacking the rest of us for things that aren't really a threat. Now, what happened uh, in the first moment when I saw the snake, which wasn't the snake, it was at some point the cortex and the hippocampus, uh, which is another part of the limbic brain, the, hippo, the cortex is the outer level, the, the part of uh, the most evolved part of our brain. It sees things in more detail and it was able to say, look, it's okay, it's not alive, it's not moving, it's, a, it's well, it wasn't alive, it was a dead tree trunk, but it surely wasn't anything dangerous. And uh, the hippocampus, along with the cortex, calms down the amygdala, the uh, sympathetic nervous system calms down, the parasympathetic nervous system takes over, and it helps you calm. So that's a little bit of a neurobiological lesson in a nutshell. Um, other areas that um, are helpful in calming us down is uh, the anterior insula um, and you know some other parts of the brain. So now let's talk about meditation. So there's been a lot of research, or at least some research on meditation, mostly mindfulness meditation. And mindfulness meditation is meditation where you're focused on your breath or something else and that's your that's your kind of your, your anchor focus and then your thoughts you go off because our minds continue to think by the way meditation is not about not thinking because we keep thinking we have a mind and we have a brain and we, we we think but then you continue to pull yourself back to whatever it is the breath you know those kinds of things so that's one kind of meditation mindfulness meditation definitely been a lot of research on on that and there's been research in other kinds of meditations. And with modern uh, medicine, they can now do brain scans. And so they've discovered uh, when people are meditating, some of the things that happen in the brain. And what they found, and there'll be a lot more research in the future, but there's been some pretty good initial studies on this, is that uh, meditation may lead to increases in gray matter density. The gray matter is the part that helps us think, not overreact, reason. It also increases um, the uh, cell, cells in the hippocampus. They, 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 it, can, it can actually enlarge the hippocampus. Another thing I do is EMDR, which also does that, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. But it, it can literally enlarge the hippocampus, which, remember I said, that's one of the more evolved parts of the limbic part of the brain that can calm down the amygdala. The other frontal regions of the brain, right, by these with the thinking, judgment, can increase during meditation. And the anterior insula I just mentioned also, and that, that it can actually increase the thickness of, of the cortex, which is the most evolved part of the brain. So increases in gray matter, and, uh, and when we increase, especially the left hemisphere hip part of the hippocampus, which happens with meditation, 
uh, they are all involved in learning, cognition, and memory. So it results in better retention of facts, more mindful behavior. We, we certainly have a choice. Like if you are meditating, and meditation doesn't give you instant results. That's something you got to stay with it and, uh, and be, be open to knowing that the changes will happen over time. And the reason it is, I'm going to, let me just say this, I just, I'm going to interrupt myself for a second. There's a term called neuroplasticity, and that is big, big term. Neuroplasticity means that the brain adapts to our environment. It adapts to our, what we do, especially on a regular basis. It will adapt to that. So, for example, if you're a pianist, play the piano, your brain is going to develop in ways that will help you be a phenomenal pianist. You, you practice it. I remember seeing um, a performance in um, in the Orange County um, Performing Arts Center. Uh, actually, it was Siegerstrom Hall, which is in really 10 minutes from my house. And they have this amazing instrument that they had there. And they had this person playing uh, this organ that involved both his hands and both his feet, often at the same time doing different things. And he's been doing this for many years. And I could only imagine what his brain connections are like. I mean, it's great. This is a man who will never get Alzheimer's. It's just no way. And so when a person is meditating, their brain adapts as well. That's why you have these changes that I just said. It, so they have found that you know, if you if you uh, they've done these research where a person meditates for six to twelve months, usually twenty to thirty minutes a day, which is my personal sweet spot, you can see changes in the brain structure as well as changes in function of the brain. Now, the other thing that meditation does, which I alluded to, is it calms down your sympathetic nervous system. It's what it does. So you are, it takes more to get overwhelmed. It takes more to get stressed. So, that, of course, that induces a state of calm and emotional well-being. And, of course, if you're living your life more calmly and your cortisol is contained most of the time, you're all your physi physiological symptoms will be at its optimum. Your immune system works best when you're calmer and your sympathetic nervous system isn't so activated. Uh, your digestive system, even your uh, sexual desire um, and all these other systems that just work better because when you are calm, you don't have those stress reactions and your body is not tensing up. So, you know, you have more longevity. You age much more slowly because you're not living in that fight or flight. Because the sympathetic, sympathetic nervous system is deactivated. That is what happens when you meditate on a regular basis. So when you're meditating and you're deactivating your sympathetic nervous system, and turning on the parasympathetic branch, studies have shown that over time this practice can help reduce pain, depression, stress, and anxiety. 
So, and it also can decrease emotional reactivity. So uh, just imagine, uh, uh, for me as a couples therapist, how I have found it helpful for my part, couples to practice some kind of meditation where, um, because we trigger each other, and to be able to respond, it gives you that moment, that instant where you don't trigger the other person back if you're triggered. You, you're able to, because your brain is changed through the meditation, you have a moment, you have options you didn't have before, and you might make a choice that de-escalates the conflict. So relationship health as well. I'm just trying to cover all the areas, uh, and it's very powerful. I'm, I'm, I mentioned couples. Uh, I am doing um, meditation for couples program. I'm just stating it really briefly. You could uh, easily find out all about it. It is one powerful program for couples. If only one of the couple does the program, it will help the relationship. If both partners do it, even better. And it is um, a program I'm very excited about. And you can see that, you know, by, by engaging in this program that I lay out, and I'll talk more about it later, another time, um, it is, you, you get these benefits. You get the couple's benefits, but of course you get all the other benefits I'm talking about here. The brain benefits, the health benefits, the heart benefits, your immune system benefits. So I highly endorse med meditating, and uh, research is now behind it. And... Uh, it's helped me. I, I, I could tell you a quick little story about me, even that is something I haven't even mentioned, and that is even it can help sometimes financially. I remember back when I was younger, I was in it was in the mid '90s, and uh, we had now a second child. My wife really wanted to stay home. I really wanted to stay home, but I wasn't making enough money, and and I was stressed a lot because I was spending more than I was making with, with family of four on my my practice income at the time. Um, and so I started to just meditate, to start to meditate. I remember when a client canceled on me and I was stressed out because this is a new client. Now I wasn't, you know, every client meant so much back then in those days that I just, my, my amygdala hijacked the rest of me like I talked about earlier and it was like the end of the world, but it wasn't. So I meditated and as I was meditating and breathing and focusing on my, that time I was doing a mindfulness meditation, an idea just popped into my head out of nowhere. And I noticed that idea and I said, hmm, and I put it aside and I just finished my meditation. But then because, now the idea I'm about to tell you, I don't know if it would have happened if I wasn't meditating, I, I think I was too stressed in fight or flight that it wouldn't have come through. But in meditation, creativity happens as well. And the idea was, as I specialized then and still do in working with people that have low sexual desire, to start training physicians. And uh, that moment, right after that, training physicians in low sexual desire, I, I called the first hospital when my kids were born. And uh, just to make a long story short, three weeks later, I got a speaking gig for the physicians. Nobody called, nobody referred. It didn't really work out. 
for that, but then I thought, hmm, I spoke to these physicians. It was a tough group, 85 physicians. It wasn't an easy group to talk to. I've speaking, spoken to physicians many, many times since, but that was my first time. But I start to train therapists in how to um, increase sexual desire when there's low sexual desire. And from that, I got a number of referrals. My practice shot up. And sure enough, I was making uh, a decent amount of money so that I could provide for my family of four with my wife not having to go back to work. And I am absolutely convinced that the meditation was what gave me the space to come up with that creative idea that I had never thought about before. So just a little story I told before, but um, as you can see, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm convinced. I'm not a believer. I'm convinced, and um, you know, research is behind it now. So thank you for listening. This is Todd Krieger, making the world safe for love. That's it for today's episode of Let's Talk About Love, Sex, and Infidelity Podcast with your host, Todd Krieger. For free resources and materials, head over to toddkrieger.com. Loved this episode? Head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you.